Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Join me as mostly Eric Bynfor <laughs> of spikeweek.com. And if I had a ga- gavel, Eric, I'd, I'd call, call this meeting to order of the Hollywood Brown support group. Oh boy, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it to today after not one, not two, but three wide open touchdown drops on my most important player of the slate, basically. It was all in Ravens-Lions game, which went fine. Um, But holy cow, you know, I literally, (laughs) I jumped up on the second one. I jumped up in celebration, scared the shit out of my dogs, knocked my drink over, like created anarchy around my around my entire house because I was like you know so excited for that that second bomb and of course he drops it and then like it was like two minutes later he drops he drops the third one which was also wide open and so uh, you know I'm I just feel blessed after all of that to have not had a losing Sunday you know I lost the first two weeks and so I made a little money nothing crazy but I I profited yesterday despite uh, the stress that Hollywood Brown cost me. Right. The, the only reason I had a loss yesterday is a DK main slate cash. I did fine on FanDuel. I did mm-hmm. fine on early slate. I did fine on tiers. Uh, but I had to make the, the 4v4 swap. Like, I, 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 and I had the perfect, I had the perfect swap. Like, uh, I had four slots left. I had Madison. I had Cup. I had Godwin. I had Woods. Mm-hmm. So Woods was that, like, kind of like, you didn't have to play him. Uh, because yep. all these the cash liners that I was looking at on DraftKings were projected very close to each other, depending on if you were playing Tyler Boyd, you were playing Marvin Jones, were you yep. playing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, were you playing Mike Davis, which I did, uh, <laughs> which I did. I mean, you got 11 points, but I mean, yeah. uh, whether you're playing Saquon, whether you're playing Mixon, you're probably playing Madison regardless. Yep. Uh so the combination I had early, whether you're playing Titans or the Bengals defense. So like I had, and then Hawkinson versus Higby or something at tight end. Yep. So I had Hawkinson and I had the Titans and I had Mike Davis and no Saquon Barkley. So I like, I know that I'm like, I'm behind, like I need Robert Woods to put up like 28 points in order to beat out all the other teams that have the same guys as me. And I'm right. like, I'm not going to rely on that. So I had the perfect swap in place of all the negative correlation of everything that that is. So <laughs> instead of playing Alexander Madison, so instead of playing Cooper Cup, I play Justin Jefferson. Instead yep. of Godwin, I play Adam Thielen. Because I'm not going to be playing Alexander Madison. So right. I want to play the so negative all correlated players yep. to them. Mm-hmm. And since I'm not playing Godwin and I need a running back slot, I'm playing Lenny Fournette <laughs> in that spot. And I'm keeping Robert Woods because Robert Woods is negatively correlated to Cup. Now, the swap didn't get there, obviously, but the lineup, if I left alone, didn't get there either. So, like, like mm-hmm. it's one of those yep. things where, where like, I wasn't going to get there no matter what. The, the lineup, if I stood pat, would have still been, like, 18 points below the cash line. So, like, like being 18 points below the cash line or 34 points below the cash line <laughs> doesn't, what does it matter? It's the same, it's, it, it doesn't matter to me. So, like, I was yep. dead there to begin with. But everything else, like, I had those guys on FanDuel. So, it's like, I am I have Cup on FanDuel. I have Cup, mm-hmm. Metcalf. I got Woods. I got uh, uh, Madison. So, like, I had the Broncos defense, and that that, that worked out. And so, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I doubled, pretty much doubled my money on FanDuel. 
Double my money yep. on the early only slate. Double my money in tiers and just like my main slate cash. Even my my GPPs in on DraftKings was only like a minus like 6% loss. So it was like minus 17% on the day, which is... With, dude, I have minus, minus 17% on an MLB slate in GP. I mean, that's... That's just a survive and advance type of thing. But of course I play a lot more volume in NFL. So mm-hmm. the raw money is, is, you know, two grand or something, but I mean like, Oh, whatever it is. But I was always stuck with like, I had lineups where it's like 188, 192. And it has like Lenny Fournette in it, or yep. it has, it has a, 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 you know, TJ Hawkins in it as a one-off or Marquise Brown to me, Mark Marquise Brown, like uh, the weird thing about this slate was, I don't want to call it weird, is that Cooper Cup was the obvious, like, I projected Cooper Cup to be 26% owned in the large field, and there's like the slant. He ended up coming in at 33, mm-hmm. but even at 26% owned, I was still getting like 16 to 20%. Of, like, he, yep. in in my aggregate, he, he was the second highest raw projected receiver on the entire slate, Tyreek Hill was like one point mm-hmm. higher than him, but Tyreek Hill was also $1,400 more. Yep. So even in my, my, I did a 20 set for uh, my single entry three max. Like he was still in like 12 out of 20 because like, I don't have to give up that much projection as much projection in those contests and a $6,800 receiver with that higher projection just like ends. He just ends up in like anything I did to try to get him out, just dropped his projection too much. Where mm-hmm. I'm already I'm already playing Najee Harris yeah. at lower ownership in that lineup. I'm already I'm already playing Marquise Brown at six percent, seven percent ownership in that lineup. So like I it, it was one of it was a weird slate where the highest owned guy, like, yes, I, I, I got in my slant build for one fifty, he was in like a little over sixteen percent of my lineups. Obviously I swapped a bunch, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we saw that in the in the game changer. I believe. Do you believe, like, in the, because you play the game changer. I'm playing the spy and the double spy and the power sweeps and all those. Uh, DK Metcalf came in at 26.89% owned. Uh, do you think that before, like, Justin Jefferson was 17% owned? Now, that game was one of my top targets. Uh, my, the top targets that I had was, uh, was Lamar, Lamar Brown, Andrew Swift. Like yep. something, some type of that was all like my that. teams, right? That was all my teams. Okay, well, I live with great some, you know, I single stack. I single stack Lamar, but you get it, you know, right, one you of get it, right? One or the other, because uh, you also could do Lamar plus Brown plus Hawkinson or something instead of Swift. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I also had uh, Cousins plus Jefferson plus Conklin or something like that, yep. right? Because I like, I like, I don't like playing the two in the game changer. You can play Thielen and Jefferson together, but not in the like in a five thousand person right. contest. I'm more likely to get the cheap P. Osborne, you know, you, yep. but he was higher owned than he should be. Uh, mm-hmm. And then run it back with Metcalf or Lockett, right, or something like that. Then my third yep. one was uh, Josh Allen. So Allen plus double Diggs plus one of Beasley or Sanders, and then either Gibson or or Gibson, McLaurin, or Logan Thomas. I filled yep. some of them with. Uh, and then the the was the fourth one that I was playing. Those are the main. I mean, I was basically in in single entry three max. I played no Bucks Rams stacks, mm-hmm. but I still had plenty of Cup Godwin, you know, some, some, something something because they they just projected too high. 
Yep, I ended with Cup. I ended with Cup Evans on on a on on a on a team. Same 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 idea. Be, uh, because I I was playing Lamar, Hollywood, Swift. I think I I had yeah. It was like super low, like I didn't care. I was just you know right. It was the, super low. Like like once you, once you put Brown in there, there, like like and you're pairing him with Lamar and you're putting Swift and Swift is like a le- like what was he in the slants? I had him at like eleven, and he came in. At, yeah, he came in at eleven percent. He came in eleven point three five percent in the slant. 13% in the game changer, 8% in the spy. So, like, once you do that, it's like, I feel no need to, like, why aren't I playing the highest rejected receiver at 6,800 mm-hmm. in that? Like, that was the main reason, is that my stacks were different enough without, being, I mean, we're not talking about, like, we're talking about Josh Allen, right? We're talking about, we're, we're, not, we're not, we're talking about Lamar Jackson, who was already projected to be one of the higher-owned quarterbacks, right? I'm playing, like, Kirk, yeah, Kirk Cousins plus Jefferson plus Conklin, like why aren't they playing Cooper Cup in that lineup? Like what? Why do I need? Like it's I'm already getting leverage off of Madison ownership as it is by playing mm-hmm. that. So like it just ends up that way. That to me the big the 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 biggest decisions on this slate that mattered. While it, it it's one of those weird things. It's very similar to defense, but not. I mean I'm exaggerating too much. Did you find that that at running back in like the mid range? You could have played twelve guys, and yep. and it's just a matter of getting the two right ones. Like it did, it there was there was no standout running backs. Although, was it just me? I mean, maybe this is maybe this is heresy. I did not see from any projection set that I could go by why Saquon Barkley at sixty five hundred was any better than Mixon or Harris or Matt. I mean, Madison did project better than Barkley. Once mm-hmm. Cook is ruled out, I get, I get that, but I, I didn't see a need like in the slant. Barkley was eighteen percent. The game changer was thirty one percent. Like I know the narrative is there, but I mean, my issue is that I, I believe for this. I'm, I'm going as someone that doesn't build their own projections, but kind of know how how it's done. The, yeah. the year that that Barkley played with Eli Manning is not. I don't think is equatable to Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. But like I'm going, I'm going to Roto. I'm going to the Blitz. I'm going to all the places. Awesomeo. I'm going to ETR. Like people could say, oh, he's a top play at sixty five hundred dollars. Now, obviously, I'm Fanduel. Fanduel. Barkley's six thousand and Madison's fifty two hundred. Just jam him in. That that's yes. Uh, I, that that, that I ridiculous. Get. But on yeah. DraftKings, like he he was like he was outside of the top five in projection on all the like it's it's weird. It's one of those weird things. Where the, like, if you read content or listen to podcasts, oh, Saquon Barkley is one of the top plays. Then you go to any projection and mix him out projects him. Like, I mean, like, so I didn't Mm -hmm. see the need. Like, am I supposed to just go by, like, like content? I'm going to go by numbers. And the numbers don't make sense. It's not like there was one projection that was, like, outlier or anything. It was just across the board that, like, like my, my my top exposed running back was Najee Harris. Like, I was trying to play him in that range more than than anything else. I mean, what, he was 100 more than than Barkley? Mm-hmm. On on the guys that he plays 95% of snaps and the Bengals' defense is whatever, and Bengals' defense was going to be owned also. Yep. And the, everyone wanted to play him the first week with, you know, this not much <laughs> of a price rise. Yep. And if all those guys were kind of equal, like, I just saw no reason to, like, well... 
well, why am I playing Eckler when I could play? I could, it seems like seems like I'm giving up at most a point in project at most a point of projection and like dropping my ownership in in half at running back. So I played like my pool that running back because I had like 13, 14 running backs that were rotated around. The problem was yeah. is that that I I needed the perfect the two in yeah. the lineups with you know Lamar Jackson stack, but it's like oh Andrews did well, but Brown didn't. And then in that yep. lineup, I have Najee Harris and DeAndre Swift. And it's like, I got running back right, but I have six points at wide receiver. And a defense yep. that didn't score like 20 points, right? Or 12-plus right. points. Uh, so, like, like to me, I'm looking at my lineups going, I'm, I'm not like I'm not concerned with how I built. I mean, I built, I was over on yep. Josh Allen. I was over on Lamar. I was over on Kirk Cousins. I was over on Kyler Murray even. I played. I played ten percent AJ Green for crying <laughs> out loud. Okay, because I fi- I figured uh, the projections we were getting on Hopkins didn't know he was injured. Yeah, agreed. Like I think that's one of those things where I I it's very hard. It's a very fragile projection on all the Cardinals when we kind of know that Hopkins is playing through an injury that he's going to play through an injury. So like I didn't play much Hopkins yet some because he was just so low owned. Mm-hmm. But I figured that uh, who who's the most likely to play a Hopkins like role of yeah, a of AJ a mid Green. to short a dot that's outside that to me that's AJ Green mm-hmm. right Kirk uh, Kirk and Moore are going to be in the slot so like who's going to be doing those types of things so like uh, give me AJ Green at forty five hundred to pair up with Kyler Murray and then you play Marvin Jones I played some Lavisca on the way back but I mean I didn't play a lot of those types of lineups but do you believe okay the original point was uh, DK Metcalf in the game changer, 26%, yeah, is... Jefferson at 17%. Do you believe a lot of that ownership, maybe not all of it, obviously, were, that's where, that's where Cooper Cup and Godwin were? I mean, like, because obviously if you were going to late swap with four late games, you weren't going to Jets Broncos, no. you probably weren't going to Raiders Dolphins. The other most obvious game, if you're going to pivot off of Rams Bucks is Seahawks Vikings. Now in the lower stakes that I mean that doesn't happen in the Millie Metcalf was 13%, Jefferson was 6%. But you have to believe that 17% ownership on Jefferson and 26 on Metcalf were in the game changer. I mean, a good portion of that is is late swap, right? I I, I thought so and that was my biggest struggle with maybe with this this slate. The running back thing definitely that you outlined. I mean, flip a coin. DeAndre Swift was my favorite, but that had mostly to do with the the game that I chose that I thought was the best one to target. Not even that much about DeAndre Swift, but the afternoon stuff. So like on my main team, I didn't play a single player from the afternoon. Um, on my other team, I did, like I said, I had, I had cup and, and some guys from the afternoon, but I struggled the most with that point that you just outlined where it was, okay, even if I get to the afternoon, I have this information about where I'm standing, right? What, what, what options do I even have to swap that like, like really give me leverage, but also give me the projection that I need. Right. And so like I was having conversations with people. I talked to Gretch about it on Sunday morning a little bit, like, okay, we get to the afternoon. We know that the, you know, cup and goblin are the most popular, you know, depending upon what field you're in, are people like, everyone knows that if they're, if they're, they're, they're chasing. And like, you know, that's the difficult theoretical part. Like, how many people are actually swapping to to Metcalf and Jefferson and stuff. But basically my premise was like, it's going to be enough. Not only are people playing 
the Seattle Vikings game like enough to where like everybody I saw it too. You like that was one of your right. favorite they, games. They were already my being played games. reasonably yeah. enough as yeah. it was, but it was and the most get, obvious thing. If you had a snowflake in your lineup swap. early, that's the game mm-hmm. you're going to because you're getting off the Rams Bucks game. Right, you're not swapping to Cortland Sutton and Elijah Moore. A, that's different different price tiers. I looked a little bit at some kind of keeping tight end in my after, like keeping the afternoon tight end open so that I could go to Waller and something with the Dolphins or stuff. But I just felt like everything I tried to do was was it, it wasn't get, I wasn't getting anywhere. You know what I mean? Like I, I I wasn't ever able to do any sort of you know whether it was swap or or the original team that I was making. I thought it was a very interesting slate for that that kind of, you know, like last is so wildly different from week two. It's like week two, you have like <laughs> every game in the afternoon is a swap was a swap option. You know, like you could you had infinite options. There was ways um, even with this kind of like meta gal brain back and forth between your opponents. There was ways that, that you could go depending upon how your early lineups did. I struggled with that with that this week, um, and so I leaned a little bit more heavily to to some of these these early games because we had all these guys, right? You know, you you said the Bills guys, right? I was on Hollywood. Um, I was really on Galladay before uh, the news came out that he wasn't that he was going to be lim- limited snaps. Um, but like there was tons, there, there was I thought there was a ton of good. I mean, everybody in that Chiefs. Chiefs Chargers game and on DraftKings they came in at, at very reasonable ownerships. I thought uh, the Chiefs and Chargers guys guys did, and so there was just so many options on the early slate, and I I didn't feel strong enough. Uh, and I'm not even saying I'm right about that, but I, I didn't feel strong enough about how I could attack those late games, right? Because it was there was the obvious chalk, and then there was the obvious pivots. And what we saw was the obvious chalk stayed the obvious chalk, but I think it was like actually a little bit closer to like efficient ownership on those guys. But then maybe it was inefficient before, and then it, it people swapped and it created Jefferson and Metcalf and stuff being being a little bit overowned relative to to expectations. So I thought it was just kind of a bizarre a bizarre slate for for that. The one the only thing I'll say about Saquon, and I'm not saying again this is right, wrong, indifferent. Um, I didn't have him originally, and then the Devonte Booker inactive news came out uh, on on Sunday morning, and and. Gretch kind of talked me into it. Maybe, maybe, maybe I wanted to be talked into it because, um, like, on one team I played Kyle Pitts and they were a good pairing. I thought. I, I, so anyway, I, I never said he's a bad play. I'm just saying. No, no, I don't. I don't. Oh, he I was don't. even if you projected him slightly better. Like he was within one point of any of those other running backs in that range. And like, if you want to make the case that he projected one point better and he's that much, okay, fine. I, I, I'm not taking that out. But if you take a look at like, let's say the spy. For instance, Barkley's 26% on. I'm going to go to the running back ownership Yeah. for something like the spy. Okay. So not even the game changer. The spy is at least bigger than the game changer. Mm-hmm. So we go to running back uh, in the spy. Eckler, 28%. Barkley, 26%. Madison, 18%. Like I'll infinitely play Madison over Barkley. Madison projected better than Barkley for less for less cost. Derrick Henry, 13%. Mike Davis, 11 Tyson Williams, 10 which I'm still trying to figure out why that happened. Tyson <laughs> Williams was 15% in the in the $5, big $5 double up on DraftKings. I had a conversation with James on the pregame show. Like, did your projections have a Ravens running back anywhere close to anywhere? He goes, no. It's like, I don't get it. He was like, he was like the... 
He was like 16th on the list. And like, why, why is he owned? But Swift is rare, eight. It's, it's the rare example. I do want to talk about the Tyson thing really quick. It's we see this a handful of times a year or whatever, or, or like, uh, remember again, like James Robinson last year, he would just, he would never projected that well, but like, he was like the, the the season long kind of guy, so you get in like the millie, and he's always a little a little bit higher. I think I personally think Tyson was that this week, where like I I was like you know in like best ball and season long and all. That. I was excited for him. What I mean is a great matchup. He's been kind of a, a a useful player in all of that. So I think people were just excited for him from that perspective, and so you get this random casual bump. But that, that yeah that one that one was bizarre. But we have Swift at eight, Carson at eight. Najee Harris at seven, Edmonds at seven, Mixon at seven, Taylor at five, right? Chubb at three, Gibson at two, James Robinson at one. Like, I mean, yeah, some of these guys project a little bit lower than Barkley, but I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, if if you if I were to tell you that that Barkley only projects one point better than Mixon or Harris or Carson, but Barkley's twenty six percent owned, and all those other guys are seven percent owned. Like to me, that that's the reason why I, I mean, I still had Barkley in plenty of lineups, but not, I mean, not anywhere near that. I mean, I only had a projected owned at like 19%. Mm-hmm. And he came in on the, and the slant, he came in at 19, he came in at 18.9. So like, you know, I'm building my large field lineup for the slant. But if that's the case, I just like in, in the smaller field and like the game changer, Barkley's 31% owned. Yeah. And I, I, I can't see Unless, unless, I mean, I, unless there's some projections out there that I'm not looking at that, I mean, like, I'm, I'm like, what, like, why should he be 31% owned and the other guys, Najee Harris is 7% owned? Well, it's and, definitely some of its name, right? Is like, I do think there's a, a, there's just enough of that where it's like Saquon Barkley, remove projection, remove everything. There's right, people enough. know that he should be an $8,500 running back. Right, ex- exactly. Whether that's right or wrong is not the point, but that's, you know, that's what he used to be. And, you know, he was a first round pick in fantasy drafts and he's Saquon Barkley, right? I mean, and people, you know, you, you get a, a quote unquote good matchup, I guess. Um, and so I, I think he, he's one of the ones that will naturally get the artificial bump, even when the projection doesn't necessarily uh, align. Even though, like you said, it's not that the projection didn't align, but relative to, um, the running back position is wild right now. You know, I know Dalvin's probably you know, a short-term injury, but there's so many injuries. And then there's like the the state of the NFL is bizarre with like the bears are really bad. So the bears have a running yeah, back can, can I, can like I, can, every snap. Can I, can I ask and you the, about that also? That, that's another yeah. thing I, I had on my notes to talk about. Uh, the, the, these confusing, the, these are the things that confuse me when obviously I'm, I'm a numbers oriented person on how I build my mm-hmm. lineups. Yet I still listen and read everything because yeah. that affects ownership, right? So, like, right. like ju- just to, just to, to be transparent, like, player projections I typically aggregate. Mm-hmm. Like, now, I weight the different projection sets differently. Differently. So, yeah. like, the Blitz is my highest weighted one, right? But it's not, like, overwhelmingly so, but I get, I get projections from six other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, ownership projections I don't aggregate. Ownership projections, I will look everywhere and then I will manually make the decisions on my own. Got it. I go, I'll look at another, oh, they have they have this guy at, uh, at you know, one place has a cup at 21, one has him at 34, right? <laughs> one, 
So what am I, am I supposed to take the average? I have to make a choice. And then I'm listening. Then everyone has Gronkowski at 5%. And I go, no, he's 12. Like it just, these recency bias, it's going to happen. So I got, but if yeah. I don't put it in nor like 12 that I think it's going to be, I start getting more Rob Gronkowski in my Brady stacks because of the owners. Jesus, he was 15% in the play action. Right. That's what I'm Gron- saying. Gron- like, like, like some of this, you have to just adjust manually two per two percent in the luxury box 15 15 percent in the play action right. that's funny anyway sorry uh, but the the question i have for that is is justin fields the, the here here this is this is what i believe happened uh here i'm gonna make the bull case first and i'm gonna make the bear case which is what i which which should, should be uh the bull case i understand playing justin fields at 5200 Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as when Jalen Hurts was that price. And it's like, this guy could be a 7K quarterback. I I want to get on him immediately. Yep. And there's ma- massive upside there. I get it. Herbert was the same thing. When these guys, when you don't, we don't know. Right? So I get mm-hmm. the case for that. At and he runs. I think, I think that was the case. No, no, of course. It's a rushing quarterback. I mean, yes, that that's the main reason. Uh yeah. But Justin Field, D- Daniel Jones at like like a, a six point higher projection for only six hundred more. Uh, Justin Fields was playing for a team that had the third lowest implied team <laughs> total on the entire slate, and we we uh, we know that quarterback quarterback scoring is tied primarily to team total and efficiency. Now, obviously. The rushing style quarterbacks get a little bit of a break there because they're able to they're able to almost get a touchdown's worth of points just running the ball. Mm-hmm. But it's a rookie quarterback's first start. If the, the two problems I had with this was one, I saw plenty of people playing him in cash. And I I I, I just I don't get no projects. I mean, like I'm just looking around like where other than other than narrative bias or something, I don't. He, he doesn't project well. Any, I mean, like, if anything, Daniel Jones is being jammed into lineups more than than Justin Fields. And then, if you pair Justin Fields even with one pat, like I Fields plus Mooney plus OBJ, you do a skinny stack, or you play Cole Komet in the double stack, or you use Allen Robinson instead of uh instead of Mooney, you're now occupying nearly half of your lineup with a game that has the second lowest total on the entire slate. So like I get the Justin Fields, like the upside case, but then you're going to be playing him naked if anything. Okay. But then you're also the bear case of like, dude, dude, uh, James made a good point. Uh, Cause I, I just talked about this on the DFS pregame show. Uh, mm-hmm. Fields was named the starter and the the spread did not change and the total went down. So if we say that the betting markets are like the most efficient, you know, the closing lines in NFL, shouldn't that be a signal that, that like, you know, if the Bears uh, team total went up three points after Fields was named the starter, then okay, man, obviously his rejection would get better. But right. The fact that the, nothing moved, Right. Did you, am, am I the crazy one or did you have like, because people were asking me on Saturday, 
for my stream, Justin Fields, Justin Fields. I'm like, I, I have zero. I mean, I'm playing 150 lineups and I have none of this. I have none of the game. Like yeah. I, have, I have none of the, I, I had some OBJ as a one-off and that's it. Yeah. I liked, I liked, I liked, I liked Odell. Right. Um, but outside of that, it's like, I have none of this game. People like, but Odell's on the Brown side. Right. Odell right. Is, Odell's, Odell's on the cut on the favorite side by like 10 plus points. Yeah. So like, like, so am I, I'm not the crazy <clears throat> one. Then. No, I think I also, so I to be clear, I did play Justin Fields in cash on DraftKings, and it wasn't really because of anything other than it fit how like I had it. It was like, it was like the exact lineup that I wanted. It was every, it was literally every Who'd player, play player that, that I wanted. I got him. Huh? Who'd you play in that lineup that you needed a $5,200 quarterback? Did you play Derrick Henry? No. What Saquon, the fuck, what Madison. What the fuck do you need the salary for? The Rams wide receivers, Hawkinson, uh, Godwin, and somebody else. You're naming my lineup, and I had Lamar Jackson in it. Hold on, I'm trying to pull it up. Right, that's what I'm trying to figure. Like, where, what, like, what did you need the salary for? Oh. That was my point. Like, he doesn't project uh, well, and I don't need the salary. I know I ended on Carson because I swapped Carson, so I don't know who I, I don't even know who I had there. Who are your receivers? Anyway. Like, Cup, Godwin, Woods. Cup, Godwin, so Woods. Woods. Woods, uh, I probably went from you. Did you play uh, Jones or Boyd? Or, yeah, I played Jones. Those? Yeah, so I, did, I didn't play one of the cheap. I, I upgraded a wide receiver, yeah, basically. Yeah, but still, to get which, to Lamar Jackson, that's still 2600 in salary. Um, right? Yeah, 5200 uh, to 7800 So, like, did you not play a, C, a, a cheap run, a, a 5K-level running no, back? I did not play Oh, C-E-H. so you didn't play CEH. Okay, so that's... Yeah. You didn't play CEH and you didn't 3-3. play... 3 Right, you yeah. didn't play the Boyd-Jones range of wide receivers. You didn't play Osborne even, right? You didn't have to to play those guys. Okay, so exactly. now... So you were playing running backs that were basically Madison, like Madison, Barkley, Mixon, Carson, like... That like, whole tier, yep. Right, that mm-hmm. whole... Okay, so, okay, I get... To me, it's not worth... To me, the, it wasn't it yeah. wasn't worth it. And, and so... I, I should have probably thought that through. You also beat me, games. so I don't know why I'm yelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you beat me with a three dollar, uh, three point quarterback. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I do think I should have thought that through because my, my, my take on well, the the whole week, but definitely on Sunday morning. Um, sh- shameless plug: Ben Gratch and I do a show on Rotor Grinders every every morning from eleven thirty to twelve thirty. Leading leading up to lock, and and it's funny because I actually either he he always hits me with something during that morning that I'm like, that was a really good point. That's interesting. And I hadn't thought about it or I, and, or I flesh out some thoughts and the fields one was actually one where I think like, as we started to talk through it, I was just like, you know, he was interested in fields. And I think it was a lot of, we talked about like the Tyson thing. People are excited for Justin Fields, right? We've, we've been excited for Justin Fields. He's a super cheap running quarterback. There wasn't a lot of, of value. I would argue you didn't need a lot of value, but anyway, you know, he, he, he was cheap. Like people were just excited for this. They ignored all the context about, about but how do you Fields. project him for that? I mean, the point that I'm making is that all the people, people that are saying that are also putting the inputs into the projections and he still doesn't project well. So I, do, that, I that's the, that's, those are the points. Like that's the same point with the Barkley thing. Barkley and Fields to me this past week were the like I, I'm I'm lis- I'm listening to ETR right mm-hmm. right this is the, the Saquon Barkley top plays and I go into I go into their own projections and he doesn't even show up in the top ten optimals like uh, that that that's that's the point that I make like like yeah. how could he be then either your projections are wrong 
mm-hmm. or you're or or you're trying to massage them, you would have to massage them up too much. That would be unrealistic. So like I'm going around looking at like the actual numbers, going like why is why is Justin Fields showing up in like if you tried to build a Justin Fields double stack, you were like giving up 18 points in projection in order to do so. Like I'm like I, yep. how even if you're playing him naked, you're giving up too much for the, for the ownership because quarterback ownership in GPP, what the fuck does that matter? Yeah, right because it's so spread the... out anyway. So unless you wouldn't be playing Fields. Instead of just naked, like na- like playing him naked didn't get you anything, right? Because you, yep, you'd be pairing exactly. them. Once you start pairing him and playing the other side of the game, now all of a sudden your projection starts coming down. I could find, I could find lineups that are field stacks that are eight points higher projected for the same ownership. So like I'm like why I that that's why it flummoxed me from a from a from a numbers standpoint in the lineups and let and I mean. Unless you projected him better, but no one did. Yeah, and that that was I eventually got there. Like you know, you get the starting news early in early in the week. You're like, oh my god, fifty two hundred. And I'm also kind of bullish on 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 Darnell Mooney. And so like you're coming into the week, I'm like, that's viable. I think you know. I, I also just in general kind of like the like single stacking this cheap running quarterback, right? Like let's say Cam Newton last year. Just like t- doing something like that with Justin Fields. Maybe if we ever get freaking Trey Lance in the in the lineup, like you play Trey Lance and a, a cheap pass catcher or something, and you're single stacking that guy, and it allows you to get, say, a Chiefs stack, right? If you wanted to get the Chiefs, you know, or you wanted to get that Seattle game or whatever, you wanted to get Derrick Henry, it allows you to do some interesting roster construction things. The issue became, and I kind of talked about this yesterday, is that it's not like you're doing this, like I did this, with like, you know, like Sam Darnold in week one, right? Because nobody was doing it. He was super cheap. I was I was able to get access to things that other people weren't able to get access to. And hopefully he hangs in there. The that Panthers had a right? touchdown higher team total yeah. also. <laughs> right. And so you, st- you start, you have to, you know, this is um, one of the things that, you know, I'm still trying to get better at is balancing the roster construction, correlation, all that type of stuff with projection you know um brick talked about it on there on on lulls that i thought was was really really good where you know at the end of the day he's like when you're doing these like theoretical type things even even kind of the projections um like it's guesswork we're all guessing we're all guessing right but there is always a line no no matter like how precise your your guesswork is there's always a line where the correlation and the leverage and all these different levers that we talk about all the time right pulling pulling in tournaments there's a projection there, there's there's a line where you're 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 figuring out how to weigh those things how exactly how many points not only exactly how many points can i give up but how many points am i actually giving up right like with this justin fields thing i think and you've basically outlined it my I, it took me a little bit to get there by like by like sunday because i'm a little bit more theoretical you know i know that you're like just just totally on the numbers and i and i you know sometimes take my own spin to some of those things. But like on Sunday, I was basically just like, not only are you getting no leverage with Justin Fields, because like you said, people are going to play him naked. Enough people will play him with one of his pass catchers. And then people might play a, a, a bring back or whatever. And once you start to add all these things in, not only are you not getting any, any actual like ownership leverage by playing him, you're also giving up points. You know, you're, you're also then on the same roster construction that everybody else that everybody else is on. And you just start to compound these factors that I was just like, I was trying, I was kind of 
you know, trying to be nice about it yesterday, but, you know, Ben was really excited for, for, for Justin Fields and Justin Fields stacks. And I was basically just kind of like, I don't know how you can play it. Even if you believe, even if your projections are different, right. Even if you did have him like more highly projected or whatever, um, even, even if you just believed like, you know, he was a, a higher projected player, a higher upside player, whatever. I don't know how you could get there with a Justin Fields lineup. Like, I guess maybe, Cole only the, it would only have, it would have to be a naked back. lineup. Like that's the only like 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 what you do. Like you're you're doing it more. Th- like you said, you're doing it more theoretically. I'm doing it less theoretically, but still in some right. theoretical mode because the correlation and leverage is not built in. But I'm going by. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to my aggregate projections with with the most accurate ownership that I'm putting that I believe it is. I'm I'm putting in all the numbers that I believe it is and aggregating projections and then. Okay, let me run lock in Justin Fields, right? Run, give me the top twenty lineups. Let me take a look at what what the ownership sum is in the projection. That I mean, that's the 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 most blunt way of looking at it. And then mm-hmm. t- let me take a look at now. Let me unlock Justin Fields and run any and run run Kyler Murray stacks. Run Jared <laughs> Goff for crying out loud. And it's like they all were better. Like the lineup as a whole. Yep. was better and the ownership didn't really I could find a, a, a Justin Fields stack with a, a cumulative ownership of 85% was X and I could find an ownership lineup of 85% that had 10 more points than X so like what I like that the only way you could get it anywhere close would be if you ran him naked and even then you're still giving up points at at that point so like I to me that's that's how I view those things I run Typically, that's what I'm doing on Saturday is that I finally put together, you know, aggregate some projections. Obviously, the Madison stuff, you have to kind of wiggle your way in there. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, I tweak stuff on Sunday morning, uh, some of the numbers, re-aggregate and do all that type of stuff. But, I mean, essentially, Saturday, I'm just running through going, what are the, in, in comparison. And, I mean, I, I, I was getting a lot for the ownership, a lot of bills. Josh Allen stuff. I was getting a lot of Giants, Daniel Jones. Yeah. I was getting a, obviously Stafford, but that made sense. But once you, mm-hmm. but in those Stafford lineups, I was playing like it would have to be weird players in the other spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was getting like Lamar, Lamar Brown, Andrews, Swift type. And then I was getting Patrick Mahomes and Sheepies, like Patrick Mahomes and like uh, Pat Mahomes, uh, Hardman, Kelsey. Keenan Allen type lineups or Austin Eckler. Yep. But a lot of those lineups involved playing like Osborne as a, like you're playing two 4k wide receivers. So I, I did, I, I had a Mahomes line. I, I had a Mahomes, uh, a Hardman Kelsey lineup. And I just, I'm trying to find that like, that's, that's my AJ green lineup. Yep. That's my, you know, like kind of like the low 4ks, that kind of range. But I think running like, that's why I tell people to, during the shows, like if you want to know something, just run the just run lineups, just run like like an optimizer does not have to be used to just build your lineups when you're building your lineups. It can be used as just an efficiency tool of, well, let me take a look at Josh Allen double stacks. How do they project? What do they look like? Right? What do they project like? And then I see the Josh Allen double stacks that have Cooper Cup and Chris Godwin in it also, and I go the ownership sum is one hundred and thirty eight percent, and I go. This this may not be enough leverage for the slant, 
right? This may be fine for the game changer or something. And then I go, okay, what, what's my ownership for the mm-hmm. slant need to be? So I just scroll through lineups. I just scroll, like, like let me look at a lineup without Cup in it. Let me like, take a look at a lineup <laughs> without Barkley. Like, like, take a look at a lineup without Madison. Because now you're dropping off so much more percentage of ownership and then seeing what the projection difference is. Now, I don't know what that, that delta is going to be from a slate-to-slate basis until you actually run the lineups and see. And I saw that if I, if I left out, like, two of the chalkier pieces, I would get down to, like, 85-90% ownership sum, and I would give up, like, four or five points in projection. And I'd be like, okay, I don't mind. That seems fine for, for the slant. Yep. And I'm like, okay, now I know the range of where I'm building lineups around and give me 150 of them. Like, you know, in a diversified way. Uh in the, like for the spy and the, the power swoop stuff, I'm I'm now at more like 110, 115. That's why I was getting cup in a lot of lineups because it's like, mm-hmm. how many points do I need to really knock off? Especially when I'm playing like three plus ones, right? So I'm getting the correlation there. So it's naturally going to knock my projection down. But I, I don't, but Eric, like you, you do that in your head, like the stuff Pretty that I'm describing. It. But mm-hmm. do, do you think... Maybe it's just the way that you work that you'd be more inclined on Saturday night or Sunday morning to run since you're only building three lineups or something, that maybe maybe using lineup HQ as a tool like that and, and like even using uh, just like I use content as a sanity check. Just use it as a okay, I want to play these Lamar Brown Swift lineups. Let me lock those three guys in and let me see what these lineups look like. Let me see what that, combinations I they do. have. I do that. Okay. I, I, do, I, I do that. I, I typically am still too stubborn to, you know, like pick one of the, one of the, one of the top ones. I'll still like tinker around with it or whatever, but that's yeah. Sanity check. That's a perfect, perfect way to put it. I definitely, again, right, wrong or, or indifferent. My general process is kind of, like you said, consuming content all week, looking at projections, looking at ownership, all that kind of stuff. And I typically land on like a theme. And this week it was that, it was that, that Ravens, that Ravens game um, that I just thought was, you know, kind of the highest leverage, however you want to say it, right? The highest leverage, the easiest path to first, right? We used to talk about that. The cleanest path. I thought that that was Lamar stacks with Swift. So like I had 100% Swift, um, and I and I had and 100% three lineups. Lamar. And just to, and just to be clear for the listeners, multiple sites sounds like a lot. It's three lineups. Yeah, on mul- mul- multiple sites and everything. So um, I did play FanDuel and Yahoo this week, mm-hmm. which. Um, yeah, we're really, we're really, we're really branching out. And I also learned how much money I feel like I've been leaving on the table with like a FanDuel cash and Yahoo cash Fan, and stuff. Fan, we don't need it. The, the FanDuel, FanDuel cash is, I don't, I don't get, I don't, I don't. Well, also I, I flood the one and $2 game since I'm not restricted there yet. Yeah. So like, like you, you don't realize how much volume you could get in the one and $2 50 fifties. They just, I don't know if there's a limit there, but seems like I could just like every couple of hours throughout the week, I'm just like, okay, let me enter three more. Let me enter three. Yes. And I was playing I the fives and that. tens, but you'd look at some, like in DraftKings, you do find some lineups that are like, I don't know how this person played. You look through your head to heads and I play primarily like more than half of my volume in cash is in head to heads. Yeah. And in DraftKings, you do get some weirdos. You get like, I don't understand this lineup at all. Like, like nothing is good, but for mm-hmm. the most part, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of 3v3s. It's a lot of... Close, I mean, yeah. It's close. Fandles. I mean, I'm playing... And sometimes you're losing to them. Sometimes you're losing to them. And you go... <laughs> and, you, and you look at the line. I'm not talking about bad constructions. I'm talking about just absolutely bizarre, off-the-board, like like so, like someone that's jamming in, like, 
Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Clyde Edwards, and then like and Miko Hardman like in cash, and then playing like a like a they're playing like a in their flex a second tight end at forty five hundred that literally was a was was on was on the IR was like not even it was inactive the game. Because basically they just said, I'm just going to play all the Chiefs and whatever fits in the rest of my lineup, that's the way. Like, you'll see those types of lineups. Or you'll see lineups... That, I mean, I mean, you know what I'm talking I mean, if you play FanDuel yep. Cash, like... Like... Uh, that's... What do, you so think I I make, do, what do you think I do that there? Like, I, I can't... I can't not. It's... How it do you, how do you not play on FanDuel? Like you're, it was the, a lesson. The To me, the Cash lineup was, a, was essentially a 1v1 of do you play Woods or do you play Mike Williams? Yes, like I know. to me, if if you weren't making that decision, you were not on the right construction. It was, it was so. Uh, of course, like, I played Woods I, instead of Williams, but I still got that. I still, I still cashed one. Yeah, exactly. Right? Same. I took the floor because uh, I figured weeks. if I'm playing Cup, I'll play Cup and Woods together, and I don't have, care yeah. where the where the points go. But you were playing Man. Lamar. You were playing Lamar. You were you were playing you were playing Lamar. Madison, Saquon, Kelsey, right? Cup, uh, Godwin, Metcalf. No, you didn't have to play. Was? You didn't have to play Godwin. You didn't have to play Kelsey. Can't remember what it was. No, you play. You were playing Metcalf. I played Kelsey. Okay, but you could have. You could play. Mm-hmm. Kel- you were playing uh, Metcalf. Yeah, Metcalf. Uh, you were playing uh, uh, one of the, one of the Rams wide receivers, either up or down. Mm-hmm. You were playing someone at sixth out. You were playing someone, either Mike mm-hmm. Williams, Robert Woods, or Tyler Boyd. Something, yeah. something in that. Something you most likely were playing either Woods or Williams. The defenses didn't matter. You were, you could have gone up. To, I went up to the Broncos. I was able to get up to the Broncos. Ah, see, I played the Bengals. That's why I went. I right, you could go up or down. It was I the Bengals, the Browns, the Bills. Anything with, if you had a defense with a B, fit <laughs> on Fandle. But I'm just saying, like, yep. we're naming, like, the, it's essentially, like, your running back slots are full. Like, yes. Like, yes. if you're not playing Barkley and, 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 and Madison on Fandle, like, I don't know what. I played Mixon as my third running back at 6,700. Yep. No, I mean, I got that. I mean, to me, I'm, you know, and I, I won on FanDuel. I don't know. I could go to my rotor tracker. I think I won 86% of my, my head to heads. I mean, like, and I, and I missed on playing Woods over Williams. Mm-hmm. Right. I me missed too. I, on that. I had too. nine I points from Mixon where I yeah. could have had more <laughs> points from someone else. And I still won 86% of my head to heads. <laughs> right. On DraftKings, like I'm late swapping just to get something. Right? So, yeah. So, like, that's... Why do you think I only had a minus seven? Like, yeah, I bombed in DK Cash Main Slate, but, like, I made up, like, everything... Whatever I lost in DK Cash Main Slate, I made up in FanDuel Main Cash. Right? Yep. Because, I mean, it's not going to go like that every week, but, I mean, the I, I don't... I, I look through some of these lineups, and I go, how, do you, how did you not get there? Like, and it wasn't a... There wasn't a collusion lineup or anything. It wasn't, it wasn't even those, there, there no. was clear 2v2s, 3v3s, defensive moves, stuff like that. But like, I, I don't know. It, to me, that's more of a, to, to me, that's a mystery. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. So anyway, like I was saying, a uh, big lesson learned, same thing. I, I, I played Yahoo and I think I just clicked optimize <laughs> on the blitz uh, and, and ran it. And it, I think it had not, it had Najee. Uh, like CEH, Mike Williams, whatever. So that was just like a printing press. Right. Yeah. yeah, It was just a printing press. And so um, I realized that was a big lesson learned was that uh, why have you not spent, like, it's not like it required that much time for me to, to do that. So like I said, that was a big lesson learned, but to the, to like the, the tournament thing is I'm definitely 
like I said, I, I, I am this kind of like a little bit more, I, I massage out, you know, the, the theory behind what I think is the one angle to the slate, right? What is my one clean path? I'm kind of like, it's not as much numbers based. It's certainly like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to play the worst projected stack of, right, of, but, of the but slate one, or anything One thing like that. that you had, like for instance, that you said in, during the morning show with Gretsch that I was, I agreed with completely was the Lenny Fournette move. I played a bunch of Fournette. Me too. I played him on, well, well, I played once. Yeah. Right, well, right. But so you actually played him more than I did, right? I mean, technically, <laughs> yeah, right? right? I played like twenty yeah. percent of him in a, in one hundred and fifty lineups because to me that was the clearly like, how does this Rams Bucks game bust? It's more likely to bust because the running backs are the ones, you know, mm-hmm. either Fournette or or Michelle are getting all the touchdowns, and it's a slow paced, more defensive game. So why not? So Lenny. Did not project much differently than CEH. His projection wasn't that. That's the other thing that um, I didn't bring up, but I was going to bring up is like, I know that the name looks bad and the name on CEH looks good. And even like, you know, Mike Davis always looks good in projections. I'm like, I get it. It looks bad. But even from a projection sense, it does. He's not really, he's not really that, that different. And then like, do you want to play cup? Just play Lenny. Don't play Godwin, play Lenny. He takes your running back spot, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I was like, I know this is bad, guys. Like, I know, I know. And then, like, Chad is shaming me. If you take the names off the things, you'd look at the numbers and go, why aren't I playing the guy that projects for 0.8 less at three times less ownership? And you go, like, how do I, how how do you argue with that? Unless you're telling me that, that, oh, but if you tell me, oh, my projection had CH five points high. uh, Okay. If that's, I mean, you'd be different than everyone else, but yeah, but I mean, like, I, I'm more inclined to say that your projection was wrong, yeah. right, than anything else, but like, then at least I get it. So like, especially when Godwin and Cup were going to be so owned, like a 7% owned Lenny Fournette seemed like this is how it fails and this is who gains mm-hmm. if it does fail. And we already have a running back week where you could plug in 14 different guys and it just, you throw it up in the air and you, you come down and Najee Harris has 19 targets, right? Because <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger can't throw the ball more than six yards. Oh, that was so bad. But I mean, but like, so to me, your argument with Fournette and Michelle and Mike Davis, like, like you're flip, we're flipping coin. We're, if you're going to argue about it, we're arguing about 52, 48 decisions. Yeah. So if, if you're wrong from a median standpoint, you're, you'd only be wrong by a very small margin. And if you're going to be right, you'd be right by a sm- small margin. So why not just side with the ownership there? And just like in the long run, if these guys are going to be two and a half times differently owned, like you just, you, 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 you make more money just playing the other guy, even even if you have to look at that, the, these these numbers now. Can I go back to the old numbers? You, I'm, I'm, am I am I yelling at cloud? No, I, like these so numbers, I, like like uh, number seven like. for a running back, number two for a like like dude. Anytime I see single digits, I'm like, did they put in another quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> I like the like I like Jamar Chase being able to be number one. Like I like the wide receiver aspect of the single digit things. But yeah, like linebackers that are number six and seven and stuff that really throws me off. Cause I have no, you know, like who tackled him? Was it a, a DB? What does a wide receiver playing on defense? Like what's happening? I have, is there, uh, I, I didn't look it up. Is there a reason? Cause now they used to, I know that, that there was a number convention before to make it easier on referees 
yes. to know about ineligible players. And yes. like, because you would always have like the linemen were always in the 60s, right? Yeah. The defensive yeah. linemen were in the 70s. The mm-hmm. linebackers were in the 50s. The cornerbacks would be in the 20s. The safeties would be in the 40s. And then you got like the, the teens would be the like the wide receivers. Tight ends would typically be in the 80s, right? 89 would be a tight end. Mm-hmm. The running back would be in the 20s. The quarterback in the teens. and Like, it was easy to just look at the team and go, oh, that's 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 that guy. That's this guy or whatever. And now, yeah. now it's just like, like, do you, is the reason why they changed it is that it's just like, screw the referees. We're just going to let them wear whatever they want. Well, they didn't open it up for offensive linemen. And so the offensive linemen convention thing, every offensive linemen have to be, you know, 50 oh, because of to ineligible players downfield, it makes it easier. But right. everybody else can do whatever they want, except those are only offensive line numbers. Offensive linemen can't be other numbers and, you know, receivers can't be offensive line numbers. But everything else is like, yeah, you play defensive line, you want to be number two, go, go, go for it. We don't we don't really right, care. Because, Which, yeah, because there would be no other reason, because really the only time that you need to make sure that a person is in a certain spot is for like. Offensive alignment. Offensive alignment and ineligible or flip, players. Or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Um, the, the, it has been, I still don't know who everybody is. Like Sterling Shepard still gets me, which I guess he's hurt now, so maybe it won't. But like, he's been 89 or 87. 87. 80, now I'm forgetting. 80, 87, you know, his his whole career. And he's, for, he gets targeted so damn much by the Giants. And now he's what, he's three? He's three, yes, which was his college. So a lot of these guys are going back to their college numbers, which, um, you know, that also makes me feel old because I don't remember, you know, I, I have to think about the fact that I watched them in college um, play, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it was. But but I, I remember I remember the Falcons game. I didn't know Kyle Pitts' number, and I thought Matt Ryan was replaced. Like, do they have the backup? And like, no, Kyle Pitts is eight. I'm like, yeah, but he's a tight end. Yeah, right. because they line because sometimes like, they line up in the backfield or something, and, mm-hmm. and I go, "Do they have a second quarterback?" Like it always feels like like I'm getting Taysom Hilled in any game, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that is so true. So the Kyle Pitt, it's so funny that you 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 bring up Kyle Pitts because he was uh, not not like results wise or whatever. But I, I wanted to get your your take on this because this was kind of like my theme of the week, if if you will. Where like I had a fine week, right? It was it was fine. It wasn't you know I've certainly had far better weeks, but I've certainly had far far worse already this year. But I I feel like we're at this point in the season where sure maybe we can start to take some things away, but even when we start to take things away and maybe change you know some inputs to our projections or change some assumptions, not even saying that that's wrong, but people the the where where that really you know where the issue really becomes is not just maybe changing some of your inputs and assumptions. It is changing them for the wrong reasons. And like the, the Kyle Pitts thing is the one that keeps jumping out to me. It's like, if you want to change your inputs on Mike Williams, because he keeps, you know, he, he's the target, you know, leader in that offense. And maybe, maybe we think that that continues. I think that that's fine. But people are changing assumptions on, say, players like Kyle Pitts because of Kyle Pitts and not because of the situation that he's, that, that, that he's in. You know what I mean? So people are out on Kyle Pitts now, despite basically everything that you wanted to see coming into the year. He's doing what you you wanted. Matt Ryan. The it's not like he's not seeing the. It's not like he's not seeing the field. He and he's not an like he's he not got, going on on routes. He's he's going on routes on most of these drop dropbacks. He got an end zone target last week, and he drew a pass interference in 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 the reds and in, in the end zone. He's like you said, he's out there. He's actually kind of playing receiver as much as he's playing tight end. It's just Matt Ryan. 
I think it might be like Matt Ryan and Big Ben might need to just go walk off into the sunset together because it might just be over. Or maybe Arthur Smith is not as good as we thought. But my, my point being like the idea of like being right, but being wrong at the same time or being wrong, but being right, you know, like you, you I think if you played Kyle Pitts this weekend, it was a totally, you know, it, did, it didn't get there, whatever you, but he did what you, he did what you, you hoped, you know, there's just the results didn't come. And, but people are doing the opposite where it's like, no, I was right about being low on Kyle Pitts because he's a rookie tight end, whatever. Well, you might actually be right about Kyle, about Kyle Pitts, but your reasons are wrong. And so, like, how do we handle that that kind of thing moving forward? That's like, you know, this Monday morning quarterback type thing. That's the big trend that I keep I keep seeing is people want to draw conclusions. But like so many times we're drawing conclusions for the wrong reasons. Well, you know a lot, I, mean? I think you've tweeted it out that that like touchdowns are so variant. That you take a, a player that performed poorly, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Let's say, like Mike Davis had a had a what had 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 an had a end zone cat. Like he could have gotten in on the one on on the one yard line, and he did. Now imagine if he did. Now 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 he has seventeen points, and now I don't look like an idiot for having Mike Davis in my <laughs> lineup at fifty one hundred. Right? Ceh mm. could have. Not gotten in on that on that passing play, and then not hit the hundred yard bonus, and he's sitting at eleven points. Like it's a, it. We're talking about the matter of one play. Yeah. Like it's that Kyle Pitts. Let's say Kyle Pitts caught that touchdown. Kyle Pitts would have been like the second highest tight end, third highest <laughs> tight end on the entire slate. Yeah, I mean, true. like tight end is hot. Like you tweeted out earlier, like even on the season after three weeks, Kyle Pitts is like tight end nine. <laughs> right, which, which, which show, and he and he's uh, pretty much done nothing, nothing. Right, yeah. so like, especially at those types of positions, like tight end is a scarce position because like it's a wasteland. There's, there's nothing there, and at at running back, like to me that's the most variant thing. I mean, look at Jonathan Taylor. Like people people were saying this week, Jonathan Taylor, uh, like they it's it's a perfect. You can't. This is what annoys me, that people use the same argument to argue this different things for different people. Yes. So John, so for instance, here, the, the, we've done this before, right? With with the ownership and go that okay, <laughs> like what's the difference between this and this, right? And we we, we got the Tony Pollard one right last week. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Taylor, what was the narr- What was the the talking point? He's gotten the most amount of red zone work, yep. right? Without scoring a touchdown, right? Yep. So jo- people were talking about Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan, he's what, 6,700 against he's the Titans, yep. right? Like he's he could get, the, I mean, look, if he has been unlucky the first two weeks. He's gotten, he's gotten the end zone carries. He's gotten the, he's gotten the, yes, Marlon Mack is inactive. Okay, so you're better. It's like, and then, then, you know, you know, he's sixty seven hundred. What was I told you that there was a running back that had a higher fantasy points expectation than Dalvin Cook over the first two weeks? Jonathan Taylor isn't that. Like, had the high, he had the fourth highest running if you go, by expectation based on the workload, mm-hmm. and he was and he was higher than Cook. Would you want to play that guy yes, over Taylor? Well, that guy was 5,100 and his name was Mike Davis. <laughs> okay. So if you're yeah. going to make the the Taylor argument 
is that he ran bad. That's essentially what the argument, based on the underlying stats of how he's being used, he ran bad. Well, Mike Davis ran bad also. So you can't tell me, if you're going to tell me that Jonathan Taylor's a good play, then you can't tell me Mike Davis is a bad play also. I mean, you you can't Mm -hmm. tell me that. So you can't use these, 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 uh, these by expectation type of things with Kyle Pitts. By expectation, Kyle Pitts is a top five running back, top five tight end. And that's primarily because most of the tight ends suck. Suck, yeah. But it's just not because even, we're not even produce. endorsing him, it's just the position, right? Yeah. But but that's the point. Like, if you're going to use those types of arguments, you have to apply them across the board. Marquise Brown yeah. yesterday left the most points on the table, right? <laughs> to the mm-hmm. the old, I mean, I believe the old connotation of Marquise Brown from a year ago, when he was only seeing he was the big play guy, only seeing like four four or five targets a game and they were running the ball too often. This Ravens, he's running, he, they're, they're running him differently. Watkins yes. is there actually drawing cover because they used to have like Willie Sneed. No one cares about him. Uh, that Marquise Brown is, Marquise Brown should be a $6,500 wide receiver, I believe. Agreed. Based on, yep. now, has he has he reached that? Like, well, no, dude, Marquise Brown could have broke the slate yesterday. Right? He could have had 50 points yesterday. Mm-hmm. That, and he didn't. So what's going to end up happening next week and the week after is people are going to say, and they're going to look at the, they're going to look at air yards, they're going to look at look at the expected points, and they're going to say, well, Marquise Brown, he's he's his price didn't go up. He's fifty eight hundred, right? Or they're going to mention Cortland Sutton or something based on the air yards. Or that yep. Nelson Aguilar had a bunch of who cares about? I mean, sometimes they're just chucking the ball, and who cares? Uh, Aguilar and Jacoby Myers were the top two leaders on the entire week in <laughs> in air yards. And it was week one or week two that the Patriots, Mac Jones, like had the least amount of air yards of like any quarterback. And people were like, oh, my God, is he ever going to throw the ball down the field? And then two weeks later, both of his receivers had almost 200, had almost. Right. Well, they were down yards, that so. game. That's the main reason. Yeah. But just the, funny. But the point that I'm making is that. If if you're gonna make those types of arguments, this this expected, I mean we see it in MLB, expected ISO, expect XFIP, right? The X mm-hmm. type of things like based on the workload, based on the production, based on these percentages, you're trying to figure out if a player is running good or running bad. That's essentially what it is. So you can't, if you're gonna measure people by running bad, you have to apply it to all the players. And if you're gonna do by running good, you have to apply it to all the players. <laughs> so, like, did Najee Harris run good, or was, or was he under expectation the first two weeks? We don't. Yeah. We don't know. We we really don't know that. You'd be guessing on how they're going to use him. Of course, Deontay Johnson was out. Juju got hurt. There's some context there, but if you if you're gonna if you're gonna put Najee Harris with a 36 percent target share now, you're probably wrong. But to say that he's not a not at least a ten percent target share running back based on his week one workload, you'd be fucking wrong also. Mm-hmm. So, but whatever you do to apply that, your point that you make on Twitter all the time is is what I'm saying is don't don't apply one argument for one player to confirm your priors or confirm your biases, and then because you don't like some other guy, you're gonna say well that that's because he's a rookie tight end like. Like right. well, well, how about how about how about other guys? I mean, like it, it's either one or the other. You can't make that. You can't make the same case and say two different things for two different people, unless you have some compelling reason why they're the outlier. Yeah. 
Right. And, and the thing I wonder about, because I'm, you know, I'm not creating my own, own projections or, or anything like that is how difficult is it to factor all, like all of that into these, to these inputs, the X, you know, making sure that you're appropriately applying, right. Cause at the end of the day, there's a human setting target shares and setting, you know, efficiency levels and all that, and all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I am not good enough at, at all the, the math side of things to figure out, you know, this. So I'm asking possibly a stupid question, but how do you, you know, as someone who is like really, you know, using the, the math side of things, I know you're, you're pulling in the projections, not necessarily doing them yourselves, but how, how are you thinking about that part, uh, as we get to this, this, this point in the season, like, are you, like you said, you lean more heavily on, on say one projection set, but just this idea, like, right. That that there are expectations for certain players. Some players are falling above and, and below and there's certain target shares and we only know so much. And I know you're just using, using the projections. Um, but I'm just trying to kind of think through that in terms of, cause I'm using the projections again, like in a, like a looser way. And so trying to be able to appropriately gauge kind of those bands and those like air bars in the, in the projections, um, is something that's valuable to me, but I don't have a good answer for that. Does that does that make sense? Kind of what I'm asking, right? And what I'm no, getting that, at? that that makes sense. I mean, like like it's it's typically the outliers. Like for instance, I thought it was laughable, laughable, fourteen percent in the milli, Rondell Moore at five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like like I get it, but those are the types of people. This is the argument against Rondell Moore. He barely's on the he's barely on the field. <laughs> It's like uh, a 20, 20, 20% snap share or something. But of course, when he's on the field, he gets targeted. I mean, like, it's one of those things, well, well, when he's on the field, he gets targeted. And then you could, f- I'll, I, I guarantee you, I could find someone else that fits a case where he's only on the field like 40% of the time. And when he is, he gets targeted. And they'll tell me, how do you play him? He only has 40% of the time, right? Like, a hundred percent. Right. You, you, that That's the point, that, right? Aren't we making the same thing? It's like, oh, ha- yes. Like, the, you can't play Rondell Moore because he's not on the field enough, uh, but you can play McCall Hardman, right? Right. Who's also yep. a very similar type of player. Now, I don't know what it is. Yeah, McCall Hardman's probably on the field more than Rondell Moore is on the field. But the case for the anti-Hardman people, which are typically right, uh, the Hardman people are that he like he's he's a role play. He's like, why are you playing? Are you playing him for one big play? But he's, yeah. he has barely a target share or anything. But those but then they'll go, well, Rondell Moore, they scheme plays too. Like, like, dude, that's that's McCall Hardman also. Like you're you're making yeah. the same thing. <laughs> Cornell Patterson is coming in too much for Mike Davis. It's like, but Mike Davis, based on his workload, has more of an expectation per touch than like you can't make the you can't make different arguments for different people for the same thing that you're looking at. Or with like LaVisca, there's another one. That you know, like we we could look at some of these guys that that don't get on the field as often as other players, and then make this and what what uh, Tyler uh, Scotty Miller this week with Antonio Brown out, and if mm-hmm. you wanted to say Tyler Johnson instead, pick whatever third bucks wide receiver you want. Why why were they barely owned and Rondell Moore is like fifteen percent owned in the milli, other than the fact that he's run good. Right, yes. but at the actual yeah. role in the offense for a good offense, because we're not talking about like Quintus Cephas in a Lions offense. We're talking about a high team total Bucks passing offense 
and a Cardinals high team total passing offense. We it's a similar mm-hmm. type of thing. So why why so just because you don't like Scotty Miller? I mean, like you know, because Rondell Moore is a rookie and it's ex- it's exciting. It's like, exciting. Yeah. Like it it almost feels like with these guys like Justin Fields, like Trey mm-hmm. Lance, like Kyle Pitts, like Rondell Moore, like whoever, uh, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith. People are it's it's almost it's 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 weird to say. People are playing it like it's a flush draw in poker. Like, if you're gonna play a Scotty Miller, right on a on a week like this, like Scotty, it's not like Scotty Miller could be a seven K receiver. He's not a seven K receiver. Jamar yeah. Chase could end up, you know, two years from now he'd be laughing that he's only five thousand. Yeah. Devonta's like any of these rookies, they have so much potential. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to live up to their potential. A lot of them are going to bust completely. But mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts, we could be talking about two years from now saying, Kyle Pitts, yeah, I'm going to pay Kyle Pitts 7800 Why wouldn't I? Right? Like on DraftKings. Or two years from now, we'll be going, oh, remember that guy that got drafted? Like, remember, remember, you know, remember the third uh, tight end for the Lions that used to be on the Falcons? You know, like, we're going to talk about Kyle Pitts that way, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be one yep. of the two. We don't know which one that is, but we know for sure that Darren Fells ain't that, right? <laughs> like we know for sure that that he's not going to turn into that. So people look at the prices and the salaries and go, like, it's more like it's more likely that that uh, that KJ Osborne, a second year breakout wide receiver, right? You know, it's that <laughs> KJ Osborne at thirty five hundred could be a 5K, 6K wide receiver than Scotty Miller could ever be. So because there's that, in, but it's all psychological because from a projection standpoint, right. there's no reason to think that in this one single game. But people are, are like, have that confirmation bias of like, well, this guy's 23 versus a 32-year-old. Like, no one wants to, like Manny Sanders. I listen to Gilcast and, and Davis is like, you know, I'd, you know, how do you play, or, or Sammy or whatever, whatever. How do you play a 35-year-old wide receiver? It's like, well, Manny Sanders and A.J. Green did pretty good, right? <laughs> Marvin Jones is doing yep. pretty good in, in, in Jacksonville. Like, yep. like, you sometimes, sometimes they're getting a 22% target share on a good offense, and it doesn't matter how old they are. Maybe uh, in week 14, when they're constantly on the, questionable on the injury report, maybe then you could stop playing yeah. them or, you know? Right. But, but like, to me, like, if you're going to go, if you're going to make that argument, then why are you ever playing Tom Brady? Yet people seem to play Tom Brady, right? Like, obviously it's a quarterback. It's a little bit different, but Mm. like, you can't make the same argument two different ways for two different people. And do you think that flush draw analogy works that these rookies, the younger guys seem like I have top pair and a flush draw. So it's like, would I rather play the higher top pair, like the higher top pair hand that has no possibility of making a flush, even though it's a slightly better hand? Or would yeah. I rather play that the hand that it, he could be, he could be type of the and but to me that inflates the ownership also. So like and, and at that's the end of the day, it's already it's already like factored into the market. And that's and so that's a big thing that I've been trying to make sure that I'm factoring because I am, I, I will admit to being, you know, on certain archetypes of, 
of players a little bit a little bit more a little bit less on the Manny Sanders a little bit more on the the Jamar Chase and I'm okay with that as long as you're like you said you're applying it appropriately and, and understanding where the market is doing the same thing as you you know what I mean like I am like I mean I played Jamar Chase this week but like if Jamar Chase was the wide receiver that got steamed Right. If Jamar, like Jamar Chase was like uh, super low, super low owned. I was compared actually a to little Boyd, bit... like you played Chase as yeah. a way to get away. From, like Chase in the, in the slant was seven. Uh, Chase was 6.6% and Boyd was 13.9. So yeah. So that, yeah. that, that's the reason. Right. So, but like when, if everybody had piled on Chase, then you play now Boyd. we might look yeah we we look to the older guy right if everybody piled you know if the, the bills were all unowned so it, did, it didn't really matter but you know if everybody was piling on gabe davis and everything said to you know everything said the projections look basically the same for manny sanders and you play you play manny sanders so you know i i definitely you know between between you and i who leans more with the like the gilcast guys of course it it is me but i think that's the most important thing is like understanding that like i definitely have an inherent bias towards the towards the the younger guys but knowing it and being able to apply it appropriately right like i i again i played jamar chase but it's not it's because like i maybe i have a little bias toward towards jamar chase but he was the appropriate play given all the other context you know in in my mind and so right well i mean i mean if you take a look at those two very similar situations the 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 higher owned play was tyler boyd and marvin jones the lower yeah. owned guy was Chase and, Chen- and LaVisca Chenault, right? Yeah. So in those cases, but you shouldn't be doing it in the opposite cases. Right. Right. When Rondell, when Rondell Moore is 15% owned and AJ Green is 1% owned, like that's the reason. But if, AJ, if it turned out the other way, like, like, to, so, so it's not a young versus old thing. It's more of owned versus not owned. Like it's a, yeah. you, if it's already, if, if it's already priced into, if the potential is already priced into the market, you're not you're not gaining. It seems like you. I can make the flush, but it's like, well, enough of the field appropriately has that probability. It's very similar to stock, right? In the stock market, a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know how many how many people, you know, you'll you'll see on Twitter or whatever that you know something you know catastrophic happens and the stock market goes up, right? Maybe not. I'm not <laughs> talking about an unexpected catastrophe. Like the jobs report comes out, and it's a bad jobs report, and the stock market goes up. And it's like, well, because it probably was already priced in. I mean, like, yeah. like, or like the recovery, right. like that, like the whole, rec- like, like people are diving into the stock market during towards the summer, going like, oh, summer, everything's opening up and it's business will be good. It's like, yeah, everyone expected that back in December. Like that's why the stock market went back up in November. Once the vaccine information started coming out, people bought in. So like now it's like, yeah, now it's happening, but really that price has already been in the market for six months already. Yeah. Right. It's looking forward. So it's very similar to, to some of this ownership on, on the younger guys. Cause even Kyle Pitts, I mean, Kyle Pitts was 23% on the game changer. I know that was 17% in the spy. I mean, 12% in the Millie. I mean, it's not like, I mean, he was one of the higher owned tight ends on the, on the week. Uh, even with poor performances, but that's primarily due to you take a look at tight end and you go, I mean, I take a you, Tyler Conklin ain't going to be anything other than Tyler Conklin, right? <laughs> yeah, right? You take a look at some of these tight ends and you go, Max Williams ain't going to be anything more than Max Williams, right? Carolina just got rid of uh, Dan Arnold, right? 
So is it is it uh, Tommy Tremble? Tommy, Tommy Tremble. Tommy season. Tremble. Tommy Tremble season. The guy. I mean, I, I do like Tommy Tremble, but he catches like ten balls in, in his entire college career, and we're really excited for this dude <laughs> as an NFL fantasy fantasy tight end. Looking at the 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 tight end thing is so. I, w- one thing that I was just gonna add, super super quick, w- is I think it's okay. You know, especially if you're you're like me, you know, hand building just just a few teams. If you want to align your bets with the guys that you think that, that have the flush draw, I don't think that that's wrong. Like uh, breaking ties again, making sure all else equal, all else, including ownership, leverage, all that kind of stuff. Right. If we have the Chase Boyd thing, that's not all else. All else is not equal in that. But all else equal, if I'm choosing between. You know, Kyle Pitts and and again, this is not it, but like Kyle Pitts and Tyler Conklin are the same price and the same projection and the same ownership. Breaking that tie with Kyle Pitts because he has that flush draw, I think is fine. The problem is the market that that's not how we're using that. You know what I mean? The market is is boosting the guys with the flush draw like Kyle Pitts very often, not all the time, but very, very frequently is boosting Kyle Pitts. I'm you know, tight end is kind of a little bit of a unique situation, but like, uh, but I mean, DK Metcalf has to be one of the best examples. Every DK Metcalf has like this flesh draw to be, you know, look at him. I mean, he is, he's the Derrick Henry of, of wide receivers. We envision the upside every, every single week. We see that he's going to be the next, you know, he, he, that he's going to break the slate. You know, Tyler Lockett can't do it again. He's five foot nine and 170 pounds or whatever. DK Metcalf, it's a different form of this flush draw, but DK Metcalf always gets it, right? Why is Justin Jefferson always more owned than Adam Thielen? Because he's the next young superstar, superstar wide receiver, right? And so in those situations, all else is not equal. I think it is okay to break ties with the flush draw, right? If if, if I told you Kyle Pitts is 7,800 later in the year, would you have said, yes, I wish I played him at 5K? Sure, of course. But like... It, we're in this weird situation where, like you said, all these things are priced in and a lot of the times priced in way too much. Like I like Kyle Pitts and I, I played Kyle Pitts on one team, but I did not foresee that ownership. I, the, it was not because, you know, uh, I was OK with that ownership. I think that that was was probably uh, a mistake uh, as we saw, you know, the results, the results come in. And so um, I think it's just. At this point in the season, I think there's a lot of these little interesting variables that, you know, some are factored into projections, some are factored into ownership projections, some aren't. You know, the market is is still very reactionary um, and sometimes, like we said, for the wrong reasons and sometimes not doing it the same for everybody, right? Mike Davis versus whatever. I'll be really interested to see what we do with like Najee this week, you know, after 19 targets and and those kinds of things. Um but just making sure, you know, I think it's just an interesting time to kind of be in 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 this market because it is very evolved and efficient compared to what we were playing in like five years ago. But it's it's evolved so much that we have so much information and so much data at our fingertips and everything that people like get really anchored to to specific points. And sometimes we talked about that's like the narrative things. Sometimes that's the young player. Sometimes it is the projection. Sometimes it is the expected points, but it's never the same for everybody. And so that's the most fascinating thing to me, I think. Right. Like you, point, like right? you mentioned the, 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 the Metcalf locket thing. Here's the game changer. Okay. Which I have to assume some of these Seattle guys are late swaps. Yeah. In some way. Metcalf was 26.89%. He's Tyler Lockett was 4.7%. Receiver. 
in the play action, Tyler Lockett's the second highest on wide receiver. Right, because in the three dollar play action, Tyler Lockett is the, is sixteen point seven percent the second highest on wide receiver in the game changer. He is four point seven percent, and Metcalf is is twenty seven percent. What what was Metcalf in the 26.8. Now I'm not saying that Metcalf isn't a better is better than Lockett. I I think I think right. That point at the same price, I'd rather play Metcalf. But when the discrepancy yep. between ownership is twenty six to four, then <laughs> then it isn't. But in the other, but in the Millie, Metcalf is easily like you, Lockett shouldn't be more owned than Metcalf, right? Yep. So really, it's it's the disparity. It's not necessarily the like the even the raw ownership percentage. It just it's just it just feels funny to me that probably people that needed to swap in the game changer swapped out their cup for Metcalf and ended up on the second highest owned wide receiver when Lockett was actually the Lockett at 4% would have been the because they're going, I'm going to switch over to Metcalf because I'm assuming cup came in at 40% in the game changer. I'm assuming before, uh, before the games, he was like 60%. Yeah. And he, and it went to other places. So like, Jefferson also is the fifth highest owned wide receiver in the, and Osborne is the sixth highest owned wide receiver in the game changer. And so like, if you were pivoting, you know, the cup Godwin woods type type stuff, you know, you go down to Osborne in order to go up and get, get Jefferson or Metcalf or whatever. It's, it's ownership. This ownership is pretty fascinating. Right. I, I just, I just like the fact that like, like you take a look at some of the younger wide receivers and he's like, okay, people wanted to play Osborne, Hardman, right? Like that range. Hunter Renfro, one point nine percent, right? Like he like one like two percent in the spy, two point four percent in the slant, eighteen point seven points on, and he actually he actually has a target share, and the Raiders actually yeah. throw the ball. I mean, Peyton Barber also got a hundred yards and a touchdown. I don't know, he was like the second is. highest scoring running back or something <laughs> like that, wasn't he? Let me see. Peyton Third. Barber in the slant was 0.2% owned. In the millie was 0.38% owned. In the spy, 0.29. Game changer was unowned. 26.2 points. I know it's just one week, and, and I'm not trying to, to be that guy or whatever, but when you look at these running back points, like, it's such an interesting... I was kind of talking about, like, the state of this NFL right now is kind of bizarre, particularly as it relates to running backs. So this is just average collective ownership across all these contests that I have pulled up in results DB right now, but the highest scoring running back, Najee Harris, 31 points, average eight, 8.4%. Kareem Hunt, second highest scoring running back, 1.3. Peyton Barber, 0.2, 26 fantasy points. Madison, okay, so there was one of your chalk guys, is the fourth. James Robinson is fifth with 1.4% average ownership. Swift, right? Derrick Henry actually wasn't, wasn't very popular uh, is up there. Alvin Kamara is 3%. Giovanni Bernard is 0.07%, you know? And so like, it's like, yes, I know that there's some chalk and stuff mixed in there and it's never this simple as this one thing, but I feel like it's kind of wild, right? You talked about like the Najee thing, you know, being in that same group as like, why is Najee lower than Saquon or, or, or whatever? And there's all these running backs and there's so much uncertainty at the running back position. And they're so like game script dependent that it's, it just, it was just a little thing that caught my eye where it's like, I feel like we can push, you know, how contrarian we're being at running back 
um, given just how these, how the NFL is kind of playing out right now, especially as it relates, like compared to, like you said, like Justin Fields seems okay, but like Justin Fields is just not matching Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and, and those offenses, the offense, the elite offenses, the chiefs and the chargers and stuff like that, that Washington, that's, but that's just what I go for. like, like a lot of people, this is, this isn't two or three years ago. Cause remember I used to be all on the vomit stacks. Yep. The totals are too high. Now the total, we're getting multiple five 50 point total games and higher. It's not just one and you hope that it busts and then you get a low scoring game, you know, that outperforms. You can't do that anymore. So like I'm, yeah. my, I'm playing the high scoring games. And then to me, the contrarian play is the running backs. I mean, cause you're filling up all your slots, obviously with the stack with the wide receivers yep. and tight ends. And then, well, how do you get the leverage? Well, you got running back spots there. And if, if Peyton, I, we, Peyton Barber, <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be Peyton Barber, but it I could know, be, I, know. I mean, just the wide range it's, doesn't it feel like, even though it's not best ball that DFS think if it works in zero RB mm-hmm. builds, why doesn't it not work in DFS? All? Like the reason that you do zero RB in best ball is because running back injuries are high and running back variance is high yep. and running back workload because of split RBBCs is who knows up in the air. Unpredictable. Yep. Right. So, but we could view that like most people are able to say all oh, over a 17, 18 week season. I get that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to pick out the weeks. Right. It's like, like they'll, one of these weeks, it'll be the Giovanni Bernard week. This one wasn't. <laughs> right. But you, but in DFS, you always like, well, we could draft every, every week. So we could pick out the ones that we want, but even picking them out, we're not even, we're, we've, no. we're showing that we're not even good at doing that. We're, the projections are so fragile that the differences between a 18 running backs between a 12 and 18 point running back projection, you might as well just throw up in your air and just go, well, choose two and hopefully, hopefully you get on the right side of variance. Like I, you, that's what you do for zero RB builds in mm-hmm. best ball. So maybe you should be thinking more about that when they're that close. We're not talking about, if yeah. we're not talking about like Madison and Barkley on FanDuel. They just pro- yeah, they projected too high more than any other running back. But on mm-hmm. DraftKings, it, it was, it, Madison was the highest. I get it. Uh, but outside of that, like it, you could have played, you could have played anyone. Yep. And I think I'm more I likely think... to get different there than try to play, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing Jared Goff. I'm not playing Goff, <laughs> Raymond, Hawkinson, stat. like why? The yeah. likelihood of that, I'll play Josh Allen. I'll play Josh Allen every week. I've said that before. Like, well, you don't really like this Bills game against the, the Washington. Like I'm playing the slant. Like 10% of my lineups are going to be Josh Allen every week, no matter who he's playing. They just yep. throw the ball too much. The double stacks could get there on any game. And I'm just, I'm just devoting 10% of my bankroll to, towards it. And if he gets there, I hope I have the right pieces around him. Yeah, and the running back thing is such a good point. I'm like, like, selfishly, like glad we kind of went through it because I've actually been saying this, and this has been, I, like, week one. I talked to Gretch about this on the, the the morning show where it was like my thesis basically coming into this year. Obviously, it relates different, like you said, to like best ball and season long fantasy football and stuff. But basically, was just like this running back position is so fragile. We know that inherently already, but it's only going to continue to get more and more fragile and more and more unpredictable. And so that was like week one, we were like, I'm not playing 
CMC. I'm not playing Alvin Kamara. I get that they're the best projected, but I think that this I want to play the superstar stacks and that this position, even in the best projected players, is so fragile that when they're close, like I think we can really take advantage take advantage of that. And so it was good. You know, I I feel like I I've known that even me like talking about it. I've known it inherently, and it's been in my team somewhat, but not always either. I haven't always applied it i think as as best i can so that was a just kind of you know it's good to just pull this stuff up and look at it and talk about it and stuff because it was a just a nice refresher even though like i said i feel like i knew that um talking about it and seeing like literally seeing it looking at all these you know i mean there was actually some high running back scores this week like i mean not like high ceiling wise but like guys that scored more than 20 points there's like a lot actually it's just that nobody played any of them right well that was <laughs> the know, problem like, with my lineup sometimes i would have yeah. great everywhere else and then i have mike davis 11 points it's like you needed you needed 40 you needed at least 40 points out of your out of your running back slots in total to have mm-hmm. like a chance or whatever like yeah like at, at, at something something worthwhile but just I didn't have the right combinations. I mean, it wasn't a bad week. It was a survive and advance week for me. Yep, you, know, you made same. you made some money, you know, cashed or whatever. But uh, but I mean, we'll, we'll this will be a theme throughout the entire season. I mean, I'm sure we'll you know after after next Sunday slate we'll be talking about can you believe X Y and Z and <laughs> fragile projection that and this guy got injured what and and I think I think in general people. People like if we take the major sports in DFS, people know that MLB is a high variant sport. People know that NBA is a low variant sport, even though it yeah. still is a high variant sport, but it's the lowest out of the bunch. I think people treat NFL like it's closer to NBA when it's probably more closer to MLB. Totally agree. Couldn't agree more. I mean, the- that's like, that's got to be, that's it. That's it. Like, that's the, like, full stop. That probably people don't treat. Treat, 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 treat Christian McCaffrey like you're like you're rostering Mike Trout for a three game series. So it's yep. maybe not one game because it's not just right. 0 for four, but just like the Angels are playing the Red Sox in Fenway. Do you want Mike Trout at you know six thousand or whatever? You know Juan Soto, mm-hmm. any of the high priced uh, hitters for three for three games. So you get you like twelve to fourteen at bats. And do you think he's going to outscore? You know. It's the middle of the road, Gene Segura, you know, like some just like yeah, just right, middle of the road right. hitter, you know, whatever type of thing, like most likely not worth the 4K. If you think more no. like that, rather than the NBA, where it's like, oh, Alexander Madison is 6,000 6, on DraftKings. That's like when Giannis and Middleton are out and I'm going to play Drew Holiday at mm-hmm. 5,800, knowing that he's going to have like 38% usage. It's like, no, it's, it's not, it's not, no one, nothing in NFL is like that. Like yeah, nothing. Exactly. Even if Christian McCaffrey was, was minimum price 4,000 at running back, it wouldn't be that situation in, in, in basketball where you literally have the guy in a hundred percent of your lineups. Yeah, it is. It is. It is that sweet spot between a volume and an event-based game, right? Baseball is event-based hits home runs right strikeouts whatever 
and then basketball is basically just a, a stat accumulation game. You can accumulate stats, right? That's what Najee did. <laughs> That's what Najee did this week, right? They just accumulated stats through catching a bunch of a bunch of, of checkdowns, but it's still event based in that you need touchdowns and you need big plays and all of that. Like Najee, I, I would argue that <laughs> like getting 19 targets as a running back and like however many carries he had and only scoring 30 fantasy points is like really, really bad. But like you know, you get enough volume to where okay, it 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 offsets that. But it is people don't think about it as event based, even though we know how important touchdowns are, right? Everybody knows how important touchdowns are, but they don't think about how, just how much touchdowns you know are you know the end that, that can especially in tournaments to winning a tournament you know one play right I mean DeAndre Swift went out at the one you know who are there people that were close to the top with you know four percent owned DeAndre Swift or five percent whatever he was his ownership was you know and he flips over and I think he kind of scored same thing Justin Jefferson I think he scored week one but nobody remembers that they're like oh just look at how many targets he had and right. blah 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 or, or with my but, or but, with my lineup side Mike Davis doesn't get in at the one Yep. The Bucks have the ball at the one and choose to have Brady sneak instead of Fournette yep. getting the ball at the one. Like yep. that's a 12 point swing in a lot of my lineups. I mean, like that's the difference between Mike Davis putting up 20 points and Lenny putting up 15 points rather than putting up, you know, 11 and six. And people are like, I can't believe you played those guys. It's like, like, dude, like Jonathan Taylor could have had, I mean, Naeem Hines, you know, cucked him at the, the goal line. Yep. Like the, the running backs are so privy to this touchdown variance that, that you, you, I don't think you could make the case simply on like result wise touchdown. Like even the last week, Chris Carson was lucky to get what he scored. Yep. He got two touchdowns, but only touched the ball like 11 times. Yep. Like to me, that's running good. So, but you, but people don't, people look at the result and then Jonathan Taylor was running bad because he got the same opportunity, but didn't get in the end zone, but you can't, but like we said before to, to wrap it all up, we, you can't pick and choose who you say that about and then use someone's un- unsustainable touchdown rate as a reason why you play them. But even 100%. even so, you probably still should probably play Adam Thielen every week. Because he's just going to score. It's never going <laughs> to stop. It is absolutely never going to stop. And also Hollywood Brown can't catch. Those are the two things that I know I feel deep down in my soul. It's that Adam Thielen is going to score a touchdown every week and I'm never going to forgive Hollywood Brown. Okay, at Eric Bime 4 on Twitter, also SpikeWeek.com. If you want to get into some NBA best ball, I don't even know who's on what team yet. I won't know that till like, I think, October 17th, the, the, day, be- the, the day before, like, the two-game opening slate. Uh, but you can find him there, and uh, I'm at BlenderHD. And as always, the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at TheoryOfDFS.com.